we always do a check-in at the beginning of each class. And, you know, people say, well, you know, I had a great week or I had a terrible week or whatever it is. And if it was a support group or a therapy group, I would say, well, let's talk more about your terrible week. Um, but in stand-up for mental health, it's like, great, let's turn that terrible week into some stand-up comedy. and welcome to another episode of Bunny Hugs and Mental Health, a free safe space for people to share and learn from others' experiences with mental health and addictions. I'm Todd Rennebaum, suicide attempt survivor and recovering substance abuser. Welcome to another episode. This one is with a fellow named David Granier, and he is a stand-up comedian and also a therapist. He runs an incredible program called Stand Up for Mental Health. And what that program does is they take people with mental health issues and they sit down with them and they write a comedy set about five minutes long. Uh, but not only that, then they perform live in front of an audience. Uh, and it's all very professional and slick and wonderful. And uh, you'd be amazed just how helpful something like that is. I'll let him explain just how helpful that is to some people. And even though David's in Vancouver, he does this all over the world. Uh, you can get him to, to do something like this in your city. He does it virtually and then he flies down to your city when it comes time to perform and again i'll let him explain all that but anyway i've got a whole bunch of really amazing guests lined up for the weeks coming i just got off a really great interview just a minute ago and i'm very excited about that one uh, i don't want to say too much but just stay tuned because there's going to be so many great episodes coming up if you're really enjoying the podcast which i hope you are uh please uh, feel free to buy me a coffee right now this is my main gig i guess you could say and uh you know it doesn't pay great so uh if if you want to uh, support a guy that's uh doing this podcast please feel free to buy me a coffee there's a link in the show notes or if, if you like shirts or coffee mugs or whatever i have a merch store that link is also in the show notes you could also just help by telling people about the podcast sharing its content and rating and reviewing. So if you want to do one of those things or all of those things, that would be incredible. Also, don't forget these episodes are on YouTube. Uh, that's at on YouTube, Bunny Hugs Mental Health. But anyway, without further ado, I give you David Grenier. What was first? What came first, the comedy or the mental health issues? Uh, definitely the mental health issues. So the mental health issues began when I was about 16 or 17. And um, I have bipolar, but it originally manifests as depression. So it began, I, I don't know, I was 16, 17. I attempted suicide. I ended up in a psych ward. Um, and I was not diagnosed at that point. So I went around with untreated, undiagnosed depression for about 20 years. Um, during or which, undiagnosed bipolar. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, I, I refer to it as depression because that's the way it was. It, it, but yeah, oh. but yeah, I would say it was undiagnosed, see, untreated, untreated depression. I mean, I think you know it's probably bipolar too. You know, the one that you get a lot of lows, but not a lot of highs. Um, the highs were pretty minimal. So yeah, I was I was undiagnosed, and I went around for essentially I went around depressed for almost twenty years, not even understanding that. I was depressed. I just thought it was normal. I just thought it was normal for everyone to feel like shit. 
Um, and I thought, oh, so I guess no one wants to get out of bed in the morning. And this is just, you know, this is just the way it is. And um, once I started to get on meds and, you know, I always preface this, you know, I always I mean, I've had lots of therapy and done lots of things. So it's not like I'm saying, oh, get on meds and everything will be fine. And I am also not not here to push meds on anyone. Um, but they worked for me. And all of a sudden I started to feel better. And I used to be a class clown. And, um, you know, I, I started to feel better. I thought, you know something, I think I want to try stand-up comedy. So um, I signed myself up for an amateur night. And uh, it was like this club that sat like 200 people. There were maybe 25 people in that club that night. So it was like a big empty cavern. And I went up there. I got five minutes of dead silence. Nothing. I mean, <laughs> even even a negative response would have been better than nothing. Um, like five, <laughs> right. Five, Some feedback here, people, yeah, anything, just, just, you know, throw something or tell me I suck or something like that. <laughs> um, but there was nothing. And I thought, okay, mm. that's it. I'm never doing stand up again. Forget it. But then, um, I took a course and the next time I was up, I was prepared. The club was packed with all our friends and supporters. And it was an amazing experience. And I just knew I have to do stand up. I don't know what it's going to look like. But um, I have to do it. And then um, about and, and around this time, too, I was getting my training as a counselor because um, that's the other thing I do. I'm a counselor and a stand up comic with bipolar. And um, so I was getting my training as, as a counselor and I got asked to teach this stand up comedy course at a local community college called Langara College. It was a night course, has nothing to do with mental health. I still teach it today. And um, but I would see people who had a like they would have a life-changing experience doing stand-up. And I thought this would be awesome to package up so people who wanted to do comedy could also get the life-changing experience. And that's what gave me the idea for stand-up for mental health. And it's been 20 years, um, started in 2004. So this is the 20th year anniversary. So, uh, yeah, that's, that's sort of it in a nutshell. Uh, well, I, I'm, I'm kind of envious of you. So I have a similar kind of, uh, situation with my mental health. It was undiagnosed and whatnot. And uh, I went to uh, substance abuse as well. Um, but I was always the class clown and I was always told, so I'm 46 years old. So like over 30 years now, people have like, you should try stand up. Mm. It's like, yeah, in Indian head, Saskatchewan, I, I would love to do, it. <laughs> but, but it's a whole other thing being, uh, you know, the silly class clown guy and actually doing stand up. And I, it sounds like that's what you learned your first time on stage. Uh, yeah. Um, I learned yeah. it. The hard way. Mm. And you're right. There's, it's one thing to make your friends laugh and just to be silly. It's another thing to actually make people laugh like purposefully and go out. And because I, I have people who come into my class occasionally and go, Oh, you know, I'm really funny. And then they try and actually be funny in front of people who aren't there <laughs> like, Oh, okay. So this doesn't happen that way. And they realize, I mean, it's a lot of work to do stand up. There's a lot of preparation and there's a lot of work and there's a lot of, you know, when I, I, in my class, I say, you know, I expect a lot of failure because sometimes you have to rewrite a joke like 10 or 15 times before it works. So, um, you have to be prepared for a lot of failure as a stand up comic. Uh, sounds like life. Yeah, pretty much. It's like a, yeah. the opposite of a Tony Robbins commercial. 
you know, it's like you're, you're going to suck a lot of the time. <laughs> <laughs> I've talked to a few comedians on the on the podcast, and it, it's always amazing because, uh, like, I, and I watch a lot of stand-up comedy, and it's amazing how many stand-up comedians talk about mental health or addictions uh, or whatever. It's like more so than before. Is there some kind of connection <laughs> like between <laughs> creative, funny people and mental illness, you think? You know, I don't know. Um, I, I know there was some sort of study done in England, and I forget what it um, what it came up with. And I think it might have said that um, you know, comics they're 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 like a higher percentage of people with depression or mental health issues. Um, but I also think that um, it's something whose time has come, and I think there's a lot more comics who, because uh, I, I I know comics who told me like, um, did you ever hear of, hear of Mike McDonald? He was a really well, mm -hmm. yeah. So uh, he was he was being really supportive of stand up for mental health, and he was he was a friend. Um, he's he passed away since, but I remember he said he was afraid at first to come out as having bipolar because he was afraid it was ruined. It would ruin his career. <clears throat> and so he didn't come up with bipolar for a lot of years. And, but it's something whose time has come. It's almost, you know, I joke, it's now it's kind of mandatory. You know, if you don't have mental health problems, you can't, you can't do a comedy act anymore. <laughs> well, that was one of my jokes with my friends. Cause I've, I've spent time in the psych ward too. And it's like, uh, uh, you know, they, they, all my friends go to like, Mexico and things, yeah. and I and I went to an all inclusive yeah. as well, but it was in the psych ward, and it's like, oh, you've never been, yeah, that's you know, right. Like, <laughs> well, you, you don't have a leg to stand on then if you don't have uh, uh, some kind of issues. Yeah. <laughs> like, why would you pay for an all inclusive when you can get it for free? <laughs> uh, hmm. So uh, that's amazing that you that you've actually, well, you have life experience with Absolutely. mental illness and health, and then. You wanted to help people, so you became a counselor, and then you wanted to also throw in the comedy, and then so it, it, you're like the the total package. <laughs> well, you know it it wasn't a plan. <clears throat> it was like I remember when I first started in 2004. That well, you know, I I'll try this. I don't know. I don't really have a plan. Maybe I'll get a three month class out of it. I don't. And and it just spread and. Um, in 2005, uh, CBC shot a documentary on it. It's a great documentary called Cracking Up. And they did a hmm. job. It was just so powerful and funny and hopeful. And that opened a lot of doors. And since then, I've run Stand Up for Mental Health in over 50 cities in Canada, the U.S., and Australia in partnership with mental health organizations in those cities. So in those cases, I trained the comics virtually. And then at the end of six or 12 weeks, I fly in and we do a public awareness raising show, like at a club or a, to the theater or something like that. So it's really caught on. And it was that documentary that, that really put us on the map. What, what do the, the courses cost if uh, you're someone that's been struggling yeah. and you, and you want to do this? Yeah. First of all, <clears throat> in all the other cities that I do it, it's free because the mental health organization that I'm working with always funds it. And I think that's mm. really important because there are a lot of people who want to take the class who are on disability and they just can't afford anything. I mean, you know, to them, it's like paying for food is, you know, pretty much what they can do. So like I say, um, in all those cities, it's free in Vancouver. So 
uh, we have a nonprofit society that functions in the Vancouver area, just in the Vancouver area. And what I tell people when they take the class, I say, so it's a six month course here in Vancouver. Um, and what I tell people, if you were taking this class outside of stand up for mental health, you could easily pay 1500, but we cap it at 250 and we slide down from there. So we never turn anyone away for financial reasons. I mean, we'll go as low as $5 for the six months. Um, and I, I always trust people. I never ask questions. You know, if someone says I can afford $25, it's like, great. I don't say, well, I need to see your bank statements and your rent receipts and all that kind of crap. It's just like, okay, that's what you can afford. That's what you can afford. I'm not going to, there's no questions asked. So basically we don't exclude anyone. And I think once again, that's really important because I think it's just morally wrong to have a class like this and have half the people who want to take it, not be able to take it because they can't afford it. Like any other mental health service, really? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh man, I should uh, reach out to some places here in Saskatchewan and, and, uh, get you hooked up here. Uh, I think that'd be amazing. Please. Yes, please do. Have Have you had any, um, anybody from your classes then become a professional? Well, um, there's been a few from stand up for mental health and for my Langara college course, there's been a bunch of people who are now, you know, national headliners who got their start in mm. class. Um, you know, a bunch of people who, you know, they've gone on to have, you know, do just for laughs. And, um, I think one of them had a Netflix special and they've, I mean, they've far surpassed me in terms of their, uh, in, in terms of their comedy. Um, yeah. So they've, there, there've been some really, there's like just great comedians. So the student becomes the master. I would say so. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I had, cause you know, in order to become a, like a pro on that circuit. So, I mean, I do kind of a mental health circuit. Um, so I do right. a lot of gigs, uh, not just with stand up for mental health comics, but I do gigs at conferences and stuff like that, where they bring me in. Like I was just in, in Tennessee doing a gig, but on my own, doing my show, my own show. Um, so I do mm. that, but in terms of becoming a, a club comic, it's really a process of attrition because you have to be willing to go to open mics like five or six nights a week. Um, and, and also for me, I mean, I'm, I, I, I'm, uh, I'm not young anymore and most comics are in their early twenties. And so it's a, it's a, it's a milieu that I just don't fit into. And, um, I don't have the desire to go out and do, you know, I mean, that's, that takes a lot of, I, I, I you know, I joke, comics are really needy and you have to be really needy to try and get in front of people at an open mic. And a lot of open mics are really crappy where you're playing to, you know, 10 people and they're all comics and comics are a terrible audience because first of all, we don't laugh. We analyze. Someone <laughs> will go, yeah, man, that was really funny, but there's silence or comics are like you're, you're on and they're, they're busy, you know, they got their notebooks and they're busy writing out their set. And so they're not really listening to you. So comics can be a really tough audience. And a lot of open mics are like that. It can be kind of soul destroying. So uh, for me, it's just not what I want to do. And it, it, it hasn't been. You still do the counseling though, full time or no, most of the time? And for mental health is my full time gig. Oh, like, I think I'm seeing two and a half clients right now. Oh. So no, I don't, I, I sort of do. I mean, I still like counseling and I do it. 
I still do it just to stay honest, you know, just so I'm still in touch with the serious side. But in terms of having a regular practice, I haven't had a regular practice, God, I don't know, for 20 years now. <laughs> so as soon as you started the, the stand-up for comedy. Yeah, like I say, I, 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 you know, the probably when I was doing stand-up for mental health at the beginning, I don't know, I probably had maybe four or five clients. But um, yeah, so like I say, it's, it's, uh, it hasn't been a, a regular part of my life for a long time. But I, I suppose you probably, there's some therapy involved in, in your uh, stand up for comedy class, I guess. Yeah. I mean, I'm not their therapist, but right. I'm there to be a support and to help them work through, you know, some people get triggered by stuff that has, happens in class. And so I'm there, um, like outside of class if they, if they need to talk about it. So, um, like I say, I'm, I'm not there to do therapy, so I'm not, you know, I'm not there going, okay, so let's look at this trigger and how does it relate to your childhood or whatever it is. Um, mm -hmm. I'm not there to do that, but I am going, you know, there to go, okay, so, you know, we, you've been triggered. Let's look at how you can work through that and what you need to do to get beyond that so you can stay in the class. So are you getting people that are like even like homeless at times or? Not necessarily homeless no. because... You need to be able to. Um, I mean, I think it's really hard when you're homeless to have a to have a schedule and to get places and to because uh, sometimes yeah, we true. we have to do the odd class on Zoom because um, I'm out of town or something like that. And so yeah, you need to have you know access to a computer and somewhere to use the computer. So no, we haven't been able to really expand um, to that population. Certainly, we've had people in the class who have been homeless. Right. Okay. Some of them talk about their experiences uh, in their in their acts, um, which I think is great. But yeah, we're not really set up um, at this point to um, to serve people who are homeless. And just to give you an example, I mean, the organization here in Vancouver, we have one staff member, and that's me. Um, so we have a board of directors, but it's like there's no one to delegate stuff to other than myself. Because we're, we're, like I say, we're a really small organization with a really small budget. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm really proud because our budget, pretty much all of it goes into program delivery. There's no office rental or, you know, whatever it is. I mean, we, we rent a church basement um, to give our classes in. And that's that's kind of the one of the major expenses. And they give us a great deal, so I'm not complaining. But, um, yeah, we're, we're a small organization. Hmm. And, and do you find people... In the classes, they then begin to bond and connect and uh, because, I mean, that's a, a lot of, well, they say even Gabor Mate or whatever his name yeah. is, says uh, connection is the opposite of addiction. Yeah. And so you get people with, the, you know, like-minded, yeah. um, maybe not like-minded, but uh, mm -hmm. similar struggles. And then, yeah, yeah they go through this. Because, I mean, it, it would be grueling for some people to go through this class and come out of their shell. So then it feels like a little bit of, you know, team. Definitely. Building. Yeah, it's always a really good group. And, um, yeah, they usually really gel and come out of the group with some friendships. So that's that's really cool. And it's, it's you know, what I tell them, it's, um, you know, once again, it's not meant as a therapy group, but it's therapeutic. And it's not necessarily a support group, but it's supportive. And so I think people get a lot out of, and the other thing too is, you know, I have people come in and say, you know, listen, I've tried lots of therapy. I've tried group therapy and it just isn't for me, but 
this is something that really works. And I think, you know, one of the things is too, so we always do a check-in at the beginning of each class. And, you know, people say, well, you know, I had a great week or I had a terrible week or whatever it is. And if it was a support group or a therapy group, I would say, well, let's talk more about your terrible week. Um, but it, in stand-up for mental health, it's like, great, let's turn that terrible week into some stand-up comedy. And so it's, um, I mean, it's, I say it's like therapy because in therapy, when I'm doing therapy with someone, I will sometimes say, you know, they'll talk about something from the past that was painful. And I'll say, what do you wish you'd done or said back then to give them a sense of um, putting their own ending on their story um, and changing their stance from being a victim to a victor? Because, you know, it's like you're saying, it didn't get me. I made it through and I can still joke about it. And it's the same in stand-up for mental health. We take that stuff, we turn it into comedy where people get to say or do what they wish they'd done or said back then. Because I think a lot of part you know, problems people have is they were involved in situations and they didn't have a voice, you know, whether it was within the system or within their families or whatever it is. And I tell them, you know, you can't get the, you can't change the past, but you can get the last laugh. And there's a lot of therapy in that. And so here we have, you know, a group of people and they're, you know, they're getting the last laugh and that's, that's really powerful. Yeah, it would be empowering. It's like uh, when uh, um, minority groups take a word back and they use it themselves. Totally. And it's like, uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. that's, yeah, that's, I think, I think that's a, that's a brilliant analogy. Um, Cause now it's, you know, and it's like, I think in the, in the mental health community and, and certainly in my class, we've taken the word crazy and we've taken it back. You know, it, mm -hmm. it, it, you know, you can't say it, but I've had lived experience. I can say it. I can refer to myself as crazy. Um, and so I think that's, that's really cool that, um, you know, we've, we've reclaimed that word that's been so hurtful to a lot of people. Bunny Hugs and Mental Health is supported by Co-op. I've been a member of my local co-op, Sherwood Co-op, for about 20 years. If you live in Western Canada, especially the prairies, or spend any time here, you've probably fueled up or bought groceries at a co-op. You might even have a co-op number, or two, or three. You know if you know. But co-op is not just a gas bar or a grocery store. Although co-op is those things too, it's a different kind of business. Co-op members are owners and success is shared with everyone. Your co-op doesn't benefit one person or one corporation. Your co-op was built for everyone. Your co-op was built for your community. Learn more about co-op and find a location near you at co-op.crs. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
man, this is this sounds amazing. Like it's it's it takes little bits of so many cool things and mm-hmm. just brings it all together in one. Uh, it, it's a bit like art therapy, but even more so because it is a group thing in a way too. So yeah, that's really cool. And the, and um, the other thing is that there's a performance aspect to it. So we're not just doing art therapy and, you know, putting our vision board on the wall. It's like, no, no, we're moving to a performance and it's got to be good quality because the last thing I want is for people to come to our shows and feel sorry for us and go, Oh, know something that really sucked. But you know, they do have mental health problems and what else can you expect? So I'm, I'm, (laughs) you know, I'm the filter that goes, yes, that's a good bit. Or, eh, you know something, I think that bit needs some more work. And plus, we try everything out in class. So by the time they get to the show, they have an act and we know it's going to work. Because I don't, I don't take any chances. So, you know, we rehearse in class with the PA. Um, so they're prepared. They're ready to go. And so, yeah, we always have good shows. And in all the years I've been doing this, and I've probably trained, I don't know, close to a thousand comics. We have never, actually, the only time I had someone bomb and this was in my Langara class, not in stand-up for mental health, you know, what I tell people is, okay, you've got your set, and what happens is as you get, as you get closer to the show, your set, like you've rehearsed it so many times, um, it doesn't seem funny. But, um, you know, it's almost like you've got to take a leap of faith. And there was one guy who decided he would write an entirely new five minutes that he had never tried. Uh-oh. You know, and I tell people, don't do that. And it did not end well, you know, and I sort of went, well, you know, something, there was really nothing I could do about that. And that's, that's, that's not on me. That's on him. Um, but other than that, never had anyone bomb, um, never had anyone, you know, cry and rush off the stage or anything like that. It's like, you know, I think when you're really prepared and that's the secret of comedy, then, um, you're ready to do all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. I mean, that's, Amazing, like it gets workshopped and everything, and mm. and I and I watched that uh, the video you sent me. It was it was I like I don't know how you got hooked up to Australia, but it was an Australian uh, yeah. little um, document yeah. documentary, I guess, yeah. ten minute documentary, and yeah. and yeah, and you even prepare them for like okay, so when you're up there, you're not going to even see the crowd. There's yeah. lights and things like you really really prepare people so that it's a professional looking show, which is I think everyone would appreciate. It's not just the audience totally and and you know i think it really it merely means you know what i tell the comics is once you've done stand-up you can do anything you know you can get a job you can go back to school it's like stand-up comedy it's the hardest thing in the world and if you've just made you know 150 people laugh um yeah that's a pretty amazing accomplishment and usually people succeed you know beyond their wildest dreams because a lot of people come into the class and they're convinced they're going to fail you know they're like oh you know this will never i want to try it but it's not going to work for me i'll be that one person that bombs that you know even though he's never had a bomb i'll be that first person and um no it doesn't happen and so they come out of the class and they've got something you know of course they get a video of their of their performance and i tell them when you're having a bad day watch that video and look at what you were able to accomplish yeah it's it's funny how quickly we can forget our accomplishments and yeah. the you know our the, the struggles we did make it through yeah uh when, when you are in the depths um, yep. cause quite often, like, you know, like I've gone through addiction treatment and I've been through a whole bunch of stuff and sometimes I'm like, ah, oh, I can't 
you know, even go downtown to get groceries because, uh, you know, I, I got such bad anxiety. And I was like, wait a minute. But, you know, I did these other yeah. extremely tough things. <laughs> I, can, I can do this. And then, oh. yeah, it kind of sets you up again. So, yeah, they say don't look in the past, but uh, sometimes it's you got to. Yeah. And I think, you know, I mean, we all have a past and, and it's not like we can just sort of go, oh, you know, I'm I'm over that stuff. I didn't, you know, I'm never going to. I mean, we're all constantly re- revisiting the past. And I think it's just, um, you know, once again, when you've gotten the last laugh, um, I think the past is can be a little less painful. Um, mm-hmm. and you know what I tell people is so in mental health, you know, we have that, you know, we look for strength based, you know, which is great. But when you're seeing a psychiatrist and a psychologist and a case manager and occupational therapist and an art therapist, and you're going, so it's really easy to feel like there's something wrong with you. And what Mm. I say is when you come to my class, there's something right with you. And I think that's a whole different way of looking at things. You should combine psychedelic therapy with this class. Well, actually, I am a premier <laughs> researcher in the use of psychedelics, um, having conducted numerous trials with me as the primary test subject oh. in my late teens and early 20s. And I, I mean, I, I, like I said, I did a lot of LSD. And LSD is amazing stuff. I mean, I to me, it was like this spiritual experience. I mean, I wouldn't do any at this point because it's just so hard on your body. But um, I think that, you know, psychedelics and therapy, I, I can see why it's, uh, you know, it's, it's becoming so well studied and, and so, so much, you know, how, how it's, why it's spreading. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've talked to uh, a couple of people about psychedelics and um I've also had lots of emails from people that claim they're shamans and all these right. things. And it's like, you know, no, no, I'm not, I, no. <laughs> it's like, I don't encourage you to go out in the woods and do a bunch of shrooms yeah. to cure yourself of anything, but yeah. it's like any other medicine or substance, you know, uh, it, it's nice to have a professional to help you through it. <laughs> absolutely. absolutely. And, and I know that for a lot of like the, the, you know, the therapy, you know, that's set up, I mean, they have two therapists with you the whole time and if your trip, I don't know how long the trip lasts, you know, but it's like, I don't know. Oh, I, I think they actually have in one place, it's like you do three 12 hour sessions, you know, when you're high. I know, I know I'm not supposed to say hi, like that's, that's not the, you know, I'm sure there's another word for it when, you know, cause I, <laughs> I mean, you know, personally, I mean, you're talking to someone, I mean, I've never done psychedelic therapy, but, uh, you know, and I know I'm not supposed to, but I loved getting high. Getting high was awesome. I mean, the, the concept. Me too. Weren't all that great. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> you know, the whole, I mean, I just loved getting high. And I, I just actually, um, for this condition I have, I had um, what's called a, a ketamine infusion. Mm. It got me high and it didn't do anything for me. It didn't help. But I got to spend an afternoon, you know, cruising at like 50,000 feet. And it was like, whoa, this stuff is awesome. I forgot how good it is. (laughs) I I totally get why people do this. You know, it's just like a, like a reminder. Well, the one, the one place I talked to, I think they do get you pretty, well, they get you pretty high for four or five hours at a time. And then you go through a therapy session. Exactly. So then you're, you're your mind's open to talking about this stuff. I've all, I also have friends that have done ketamine treatment where it's very 
clinical. You go in, you spend your hour doing your thing just by yourself, yeah, and then off you go again. So yeah, it, it's it, yeah, it is interesting that uh, people are doing more research and more uh, um, things with it. But but again, don't don't just go out in the woods and get high. Yeah, and hope that you're not depressed anymore. <laughs> yeah, yeah, probably probably not a good idea. I <laughs> I mean, if you're okay. Yeah. Getting high, you can go get high. But if you're having mental health and mental illness problems, don't go out and get high on your own. Yeah, probably not. Yeah. 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 Anyway, because I'm not anti-drugs. I'm just, yeah. do do it carefully. Anyway, yeah. Yeah, no, <laughs> I might have to edit some of this. I'm going to get in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> so I suppose, do you see people with like all types of mental illnesses or do you have like a checklist of people, you know, like everything, um, we get everything, um, you know, bipolar, schizophrenia, PTSD, OCD, BPD, all the, all the acronyms, uh, we get everyone. Um, and what I've realized you know, because I've, I've uh, sometimes I've looked at people who want to be in the class, and I thought, ah, you know, I don't think this person will succeed. And but I've let them in because we're all about giving people a chance. And what I've realized mm-hmm. is that when you give someone with a mental health condition something they really want to do, they will do whatever it takes to make that thing happen. <clears throat> you know, for example, one of our comics had treatment-resistant depression. Um, and took the class in her late sixties and she, so she had been in and out of hospital with suicide attempts all her life. And she attempted suicide about a week before the show and she was hospitalized. And she told me later, normally when she's hospitalized, she does nothing. Like she just lies there. She refuses to participate, but here she is. She's attempted suicide. She's practicing her act on the staff and patients. She's selling them tickets to the show. And she did the show. She got a day pass. She killed it. She felt so happy and so good. She didn't need to go back to the hospital. Now, I'm not saying she never did, but mm-hmm. in this case, she didn't. And so once again, you know, I look at that and I go, wow, that just basically says never give up on anyone. Um, because, you know, this is the sort of person I'm sure lots of people had given up on them over the years. So it must be like that sense of accomplishment, that yeah. sense of purpose, that... Uh, dopamine hit, all that stuff. Totally, and I think the 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 thing too is she had a reason to get out of the hospital. She had a reason, as opposed to I think you know a lot of people when they're hospitalized, it's just like they're hospitalized and they they want to get out, obviously, but they don't mm-hmm. have this burning. You know, yeah, I've got a show to do in four days. Um, <laughs> you know, and I think and I think what what you know what stand up for mental health gives people a lot of time. It gives them meaning in their life. You know, because I think a lot of times when you're going through stuff, you lose the, you know, you lose that sense of meaning. And I think it's really hard to, um, hard to progress and hard to live when there's, when there's no meaning in your life. Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, that sense of validation too. And then you, yeah, all that stuff. Um, Do you ask people about their mental illness or their mental conditions or do they just come to the class and they talk about it? when they feel like talking about it, like you don't have like, you know, we need some ID. Are you really <laughs> crazy? <laughs> well, I remember I had one guy say, do I need a psychiatrist letter to be in your class? And I'm like, man, if you want to fake a mental health disorder enough to be in this class, you belong here. <laughs> 
So I, I do do intake interviews with people. Oh, okay. And, you know, and we talk, you know, they'll like, they'll tell me in the interview, you know, I'll say, so tell me a bit about yourself. And they'll, you know, they'll tell me, you know, I've been through this and I've been through that. But there's no pressure, like when they're in the class, there's no pressure to disclose if they don't want to. There's no pressure, you know, like I'm never going to say to someone, well, you know, you have schizophrenia. Let's talk about that time that blah, blah, blah. You know, it's, it's up to them. I mean, often people really go for it. But, you know, there are people who I, I know have had other things happen and, you know, they just don't want to go for it. And, you know, what I tell people is I will never force you to go somewhere where you don't want to go. And I'll also never force you because we do a lot of brainstorming. And sometimes we come up with a joke for someone and we think, oh, what a brilliant joke. And they kind of go, nah. yeah, it's funny, but it's not for me. And I tell them, I will never force you to do a joke that you don't want to do because you've got to sell it. And if it's not mm -hmm. you, I mean, the audience knows, the audience knows if you're just trying to do material that doesn't really, yeah, that isn't you. Right, right. They can sense the sincerity behind the. Yeah. The, yeah. Oh, are, are there some people that uh, they don't talk about their mental illness at all in their set? Like they just come up with, you know, comedy and it has nothing to do with their their struggles or is it almost always the one of the ground rules is that 60 percent of your act needs to be about your mental health issues oh interesting can be about whatever you know your cat or whatever but um yeah 60 percent because that's why people are coming to see our shows they want to hear about people's mental health stories and if we had people who are just doing comedy about you know cats or you know whatever it it, it just defeats the whole purpose of it so, yeah, we're, we're really clear that we want you to, I mean, once again, I'm not pushing people to talk about anything specific, but mm -hmm. that needs to be your mental health story. Do you, do you find some people do crowd work or do you kind of suggest maybe don't do crowd work, stick with the script? Well, <coughs> they're short sets. They're like four minute sets. And gotcha. Okay. Not a lot of time to do crowd work. Although, you know, sometimes they do, you know, small bits of crowd work. And what I tell them about crowd work is, like some of the comics who are really good and there are comics out there who are just amazing at crowd work. They just blow me away. Um, but for where they're at, I say, so if you're going to do some crowd work and you're going to ask the crowd a question, you need to know what answer you're going to get back and you need to be prepared for that. And you need to be able to segue into your next bit. Um, so don't just go into the crowd and ask a question that you have no idea what answer you're going to get and end up somewhere where, you know, you're basically having to dig yourself out of a hole. So there's, <laughs> yeah. you know, cause yeah, I mean, like I say, you know, there are comics and I've, I've, I've I enjoy doing some crowd work. Um, but like I say, I always try and make sure that I have a sense of where I'm going and I just don't just sort of throw myself you know, throw myself on the crowd and, and hope for the best kind of thing. Although I know some yeah. comics who, like I say, they're, they're just amazing. And they, uh, mm -hmm. and once again, I think they kind of know where they're going with their crowd work, but they're just incredibly quick and creative. Um, and, uh, yeah, and they're great at it. Yeah. If you're not good at it, you can, you can get away from you real quick. <laughs> yeah, especially if you're, if you're a new comic, uh, mm. so, you know, yeah. So basically, so basically the kind of crowd work they'll do is, uh, let's say they're talking about, 
I don't know, you know, being in a relationship. So they'll ask, you know, by applause, who here is in a relationship? You know, and they might say to someone, you know, so how long have you been in a relationship? Oh, that's great. Right. Been married for 25 years. Well, you know, I'm in a relationship. And then they go right into their material. Right, right, right. They don't start razzing and teasing yeah. people and stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. Like, that can get away from you. Uh, <laughs> this is called That Some Bunny Special. Okay. And it's a segment where we chat about who cooperated in your mental health journey and filled uh, or helped fill your emotional tank. And it's brought to you by Co-op. Uh, do you have co-ops out in Vancouver? You mean like co-op like gas stations and co-op radio? Is that what you're talking about? Or um, it, it, yeah, I'm not too sure what you're referring to. There's a thing called co-op and it's like gas stations and food uh, stores and uh, hardware stores and stuff. But okay, I don't know, no, maybe I don't think we have that here in BC, at least not that I know of. Oh, okay. Um, well, anyway, well, they're sponsoring it anyway. Right. <laughs> um, uh, so uh, is there anybody that, that, has kind of been with you through your journey that you want to kind of give a shout out to? Yeah. I'd like to give a shout out to my current psychiatrist. I think I've been seeing her for, I don't know, close to 10 years and uh, she's Hmm. amazing. She's, uh, she's always available. Um, and she's, she's very proactive when it comes to medication because I have, um, unfortunately for me, I'm on a cocktail and unfortunately for me, um, over the years, meds have just stopped working all of a sudden. You know, it's mm. like uh, I remember the first med I was on, it, it was great for 10 years. And then all of a sudden, bam, it just stopped working. And um, so she's very proactive. Like she goes, okay, this isn't working. Let's try this. Let's try this. Because a lot of psychiatrists will say, well, I'll put you on this med and we'll see, you know, you got to wait four to six weeks. And she's like, no, it's not working. Let's do something now. And uh, so she's gotten me out of a lot of um, black places. So her name's Dr. Reddy. And I just want to say thanks, Dr. Reddy. You've been awesome. Um, And yeah, that's who I would like to give a shout out to. Hmm, Nice. Good one. Yeah. Um, Yeah. uh, There's been a few people uh, give a shout out to their therapist or their counselor. (laughs) That's good. Uh, so is, is it difficult for you going through your own journeys? Cause it's not like you're cured. No. You, you still have your own journey, yeah. um, and trying to be present for, you know, your, your clients and your students. Um, no, that's fortunately something I've always been able to do. And it's, I mean, I'm really lucky. Um, first of all, I've been stable for quite a while, so that's been great. And when I'm stable, I don't even think about being depressed or having a manic episode. Um, but I've always, um, I've always been really good at being there for people. And I'm I'm one of the lucky ones where even when I'm having in a bad place, I can still run classes or see clients or get on planes and do gigs in other cities. So I'm really lucky, you know, I have, uh, you know, and, and I really do attribute it to luck because I know people who have conditions where they just can't do that. You know, like they'll hit a manic episode or they'll hit a depressive episode and they can't get out of bed. And, uh, you know, people say, well, what do you, you know, wow, you must be a strong person and all that kind of stuff. And yeah, I probably am, but I'm also lucky, um, you know, for, for whatever reason. And so I, I just, you know, always make it clear to people that, you know, if you're in a place where you can't get out of bed, it's not your fault. And it's not that you're being lazy and it's, it's just like, so that's your condition right there. And that's how it manifests. Hmm. Um, and do you find some kind of therapy in teaching the group? Oh, absolutely. 
Yeah. It's mm. it's great therapy for me because first of all, it's it's something I love to do and it gives my life meaning. And I think, you know, sometimes in terms of therapy, I think if you have meaning in your life, uh, sometimes I think that can do more than all the therapy in the world, you know, so it gives you a reason. Like, I mean, you do this podcast, and I'm guessing this podcast gives your life meaning. And once again, I'm thinking, ah. <laughs> nah. <laughs> it does. Yes, it does. <laughs> yeah, I just did this because someone made me. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, so it, it gives my life meaning. And it's also, um, I find it really, th- I, I find doing comedy really therapeutic. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, comedy is the best high, making people laugh. It's free. It's legal. There's no side effects. You know, I mean, what, what could be a better high? You know, I think that, you know, people chase a lot of highs when they're, you know, when they're, when they're addicted to substances, but this is a high that you chase. But like I say, it doesn't have, it doesn't have the kind of negative consequences that, uh, you know, that you can get if you're whatever, doing whatever substance. Mm -hmm. There's no come down like meth. (laughs) No. As far as I know, I mean, I haven't done stand-up comedy, but. You can go to your friends, man, I did stand-up comedy. That's amazing. And people go, that's amazing. You know, you can't go to your friends and go, yeah, I did meth. And they're like, oh yeah, incredible. Wow. (laughs) You know, you can, now that you've done meth, you can do anything. (laughs) (laughs) You're free-basing comedy. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Well, I, I do quite a bit of like public speaking and stuff oh, yeah. in schools and stuff. Mm. And, you know, I am kind of a smart ass in my talks too, but it's even that, even if it's a serious talk, I, yeah, I do get a, like I'm vibrating for a good two hours afterwards. I so. totally agree. I think, I think just any kind of public speaking. And also it sounds like, you know, you're, you're not just public speaking on, you know, that people should buy Kellogg's cornflakes or something like that. <laughs> you know, you're, you're doing something really not a sponsor. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I can see how uh, you know give you give you a real buzz. Especially, I, I my favorite audiences are always like high school kids. Yep. I don't know why, because <laughs> I think I'm still I'm 46 years old and I'm still 17. I think maybe yeah. that's why. I, like it. <laughs> I can do that. Yeah. Uh, is there anything that I that you wanted to? make sure people knew that I didn't ask you. Well, um, we- if people are interested, um, we're at standupformentalhealth.com and there are about 150 videos on our site of comics that I've trained from here to Australia and back. So it's a great resource if you want some humor, some inspiration. And also what I tell people is if you know someone that's going through a rough time, tell them, go see this website Take a look at these videos. Look at what's possible. And these people have been through what you've been through. And look what they can do. And if they can do it, so can you. I mean, stand-up isn't everyone's thing. So I'm not saying, you know, go to go do stand-up to everyone. But um, if people can do something amazing like that, I think, you know, what I tell people, you can do something amazing too, whatever it is that is that amazing thing for you. So that, that's, you know, that's that's one of the things I like to tell people. Hmm. Are, are, do you have TikTok? Do you, are these videos anywhere else? Uh, they're on, well, they're on YouTube, obviously. We have a YouTube. Oh, okay. Get to just by going to the site and clicking on it. Um, there are some videos, we put some videos up on TikTok, and they're just short videos, like a minute, mm-hmm. minute and a half. The, the ones on the site are mostly longer, like about five minutes or seven minutes, but sometimes people just want a really quick hit. So yes, they're, uh, they're, they're on TikTok, and I unfortunately... Um, I don't have the the, the t- handle uh, right now, 
Um, but I that's okay. Just go to TikTok and search "Stand Up for Mental Health." You'll find it. Thank you so much for that, David. I think you are providing an amazing service. Uh, I would love to be a part of it sometime if I could. Uh, if you would like to have David do something like this in your city, please feel free to reach out to him. I will put his contacts and his website on the show notes. Uh, so feel free to reach out and and you never know. If you ever feel like reaching out to me, you can do that as well. My email is bunnyhugspodcast at gmail.com. If you're ever needing a speaker for some kind of event or to a class or to a corporation or whatever i do that kind of stuff uh you can feel free to reach me at that email there and we can discuss and i would be i'd be honored to speak about whatever to whoever so uh please feel free to do that thank you so much co-op for sponsoring this episode and for sponsoring so many episodes and for sponsoring with gift cards for listeners and things it's been amazing i also want to thank everybody at sticks and doodles you can find them sticks and doodles on instagram they are making me a beautiful sign uh it's going to be hanging behind me in my studio here so if you ever watch on youtube it, it'll be there uh, and uh, they they do all types of sign making. So if you are in need of a sign or kind of like a, a 3D plaque kind of thing for gifts or whatever, go check out Sticks and Doodles. And uh, Kyle and Ashley and everybody there will set you up. Thanks again for listening, everybody. Please remember to make your beds and take your meds. Bye. <laughs>